Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRack. <laughs> SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., From Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now brought to you by our generous festival sponsors alta california botanicals destiny's mom what a tomato produce company the law offices of john p strauss the third asiento frufruhot.com jankytown.org brooke heineken pervert fervor and trina roderick Asiento. This locally owned Mission neighborhood bar and restaurant is excited to be a sponsor for the festival. We hope you'll join us any night of the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival for happy hour pricing all night long. Just mention that you are an audience member for happy hour pricing March 1st through the 5th at Asiento. Our address is 2730 21st Street at Bryant Street, just a half a block away from Mutiny Radio. Asiento has a warm, friendly neighborhood vibe that's perfect for an after-work drink or for a night out. Featuring a comfortable bar and extensive tapas menu, this is the perfect place for groups that want to get together for drinks and food. Join us at Asiento. Whoa there. What a tomato! Where did you find such a nice tomato? What a tomato? I know, I just said that. Where'd you get that fine heirloom? What a tomato. Look, man, this isn't a come on. Just tell me where you got that beautiful tomato. 
What a tomato. No, no, seriously. I actually want to eat a tomato. I love tomatoes. Where did you get that tomato? What a tomato. Dude, it's a fine, beautiful tomato. I want to eat one too. I want one right now. I like to eat them like an apple with salt. Tell me, where'd you get the tomato? What a tomato. Are you high? Just tell me where I can find a tomato like that. What a tomato. Is this a metaphor? What a Tomato Produce Company in San Francisco. For all your wholesale produce needs, 2055 Jared Avenue. When you hear the trippy music, and it's 2 o'clock on a Wednesday, you know it's time for Some Call Me Tim, the show where we talk about the gods, God, the afterlife, death, life, rebirth, no birth, science, cats, aliens, whatever. Today on Some Call Me Tim, I am joined by the hilarious and wonderful Heidi Mueller. Yay! Hello. Hello, Heidi. Hi. So glad that you could be with us here today on Some Call Me Tim. Uh, tell us a little background. Do you believe in Jesus? I do not. You do not? Did you no. ever believe in Jesus? Uh, for a brief moment uh, between the 12, 12 and 14, because uh, at 14 you would get a lot of money because you would be get, getting confirmation. Oh, so it's but like that, a wedding for a child. <laughs> but you no, marry no. Jesus. <laughs> no, that's Catholic. Oh, okay. No, uh, no. No, I've been an atheist since I was six. An atheist since you were six? Yeah. So you, as a child, did you believe in Santa Claus? Briefly, also. I was a very precautious child. So, Santa Claus, yes. Jesus, no. Yeah. Wow! So the thing is, we, I'm from Germany, so Santa Claus was not a big deal. Be- because? They come, in, they come on December 6th and bring things in your shoes. So what brings uh, uh, gifts is Christmas Eve, the Christ child flutters in on wings and puts the... Uh, gifts underneath the tree so it's not like United States wow so the, the Christ child actually comes in on cherub wings yeah and I never pictured Christ child to be the same as what Jesus is supposed to be so it was like maybe a little angel I thought at the time right but no you you were just no Jesus as a child you didn't the magic didn't it just didn't affect you. No. You were saying no well, God. The thing is, is, is when I was six years old or some whatever, the first year, first year in school, um, they were saying Cain was cl- killed Abel, and oh, uh-huh. Cain w- went to a different country. I never could co- put that together with well, it was only Adam and Eve, and only Adam and Eve were in in Garden of Eden, and all of a sudden there's another country. Right. Something I do. I just. I didn't believe from then on. You said this is a dumb book. I'm into Grimm's fairy tales. Much more moralistic uh, lessons you can understand. So, something I always bring up on the show is that: Do you consider yourself a moral person? Okay. So let me ask: What's moral? Right. Well, it's you know the uh, the goodness in like that you you treat people out of kindness. Because you want to, not That's because right. you have to. Yeah, I, think I would. would be I, I take that. And see, the thing is, that is one step more. I don't need to be coerced to do that. Ah. I do not have to feel like, oh, I'm going to burn in in hell if I'm not going to do it. Right. So I have that out of my love for people. Right. 
So it doesn't have anything to do with... Because that's the thing is that some people say that without an external set of morals and structures handed down by, say, a religion or an outside source, that without that, how do you create a sense of morality? Well, I, I assert that you, people are nice and kind and they're made the other way. And if you teach a kid at three saying, okay, not everything is yours, share, <laughs> don't hit somebody, you know, right. it, and, and graduate that up is going to be the same as, as now. You don't have to hit people over the head to do the right thing. Right. You don't be a dick is the bottom line, <laughs> you know. So, and you're, you grew up in Germany, you're German. Yeah. And you grew up in the post-World War II age yeah. of did you feel like the vilification from a larger world against Germans at that time? Did you feel like that st stigma that was... Well, I was a kid. Okay. Yeah, I was a kid. And as far as and the, the allies that are now... The United States was, the, was not an ally. They were occupiers. Oh. So our history teaching ended at uh, before First World War. Maybe it touched the First World War, but nothing was done afterwards. It was just gotten from from around. So what did you learn in school if you didn't, that, that part of history just wasn't taught to you? Well, I saw ruins all over the place. Oh. So it was like, what was, was horrible was the war. My, my parents were teenagers in that time and they were sharing that. My grandfather was shot in the First and Second World War, you know. I right. mean, then there were, the Nazi guys were still around. I mean, the, the SS and stuff. And they, they were bullies, just like we have the bullies now, you know, bullies right. that are just um, intimidating other people. That's that's how it occurred to me, and right. I see the I see them everywhere. So, see, I have this like weird thought about America right now, and I feel like it harkens back to Germans during the Nazi regime. There were a lot of Germans that were just in Germany; they were just Germans. But then all that Nazi stuff happened, and they were sort of dragged into it not, a, not all Germans were Nazis right not all Germans were Nazis but everyone was like from our American perspective were like all Germans are Nazis well right convenient convenient but that's the same thing I'm afraid that's going to happen now under the Trump regime is right. that he could start doing some terrible things yeah like a Hitler yeah and there were Germans at the time that were probably saying, hey, we don't agree with this guy we are right. not into that we like Jews we're cool with the Jews yeah but I feel like the same thing is sort of happening right. now with, I'm cool with Muslims. I don't have a problem with them. Yeah. I think I, you want to believe in something good, all power to you. Dude, right. believe in whatever you want. But I'm afraid of having that. How do I stand up against it? What, what, what's to say that Trump isn't the next Hitler and that that could just happen and we could start putting, you know, making people with Muslims, make their religion, make them have papers and, you know, send yeah. them out of the country or. It is my fear too. So what do we, I mean, like how, I don't know. Well, I, I tell you, there's a, a difference there. In, in Germany, after the, sec, after the First World War, there were 50% unemployment. Oh. Okay, people did not have anything to eat. It wasn't like, we, we live here in abundance. Americans, are by, by and large, are, in comparison to the rest of the world, fairly uh, spoiled <laughs> yeah. with their expectations. Okay, so they're not going to stand for the same. Uh, right. as was there. And what happened to Hitler 
how he put people at, to work, he built the autobahns, he built the freeways. Right. Little did anybody know that they used it to put the, the tanks towards Russia or something. Right. You know? That was not the idea. So he put people to work and people were, were okay, they, they could eat, they are going to have a... And they, they gave a lot of programs for the, um, the young Germans right. so that they could have a life after the First World War and so on. So here... I mean, first of all, half of the, the United States did not vote for him. Right. And uh, the, the GOP, I don't think, is embracing him, uh, Not you know. Right, right. And the Republicans aren't, even though we have a con- Republican-controlled House and Senate and presidency, they're saying that things might not happen because nobody's going to pass off on his crazy pants ideas. Yeah. No, no, they're not all just going to sign off on it. I just right. don't see it. Yeah. Because they, they have self-interest, too. Sure. I mean, you, know, you cannot just continue to fuck up and, and, and they see all their 30 years of uh, manipulation going down the drain, right? Right. I don't think so. Uh, do you, you don't believe in an afterlife, then? You're, you're an atheist. When you die, that's it. That's go it. on the ground. It's mm-hmm. the... Yeah, that's it. Wow. Uh, because you have to look around. I mean... A tree dies, it's dead. Uh, uh, animal dies, it's dead. Why us? You know, right. you, you, I, my lungs go, my whatever goes, I'm dead. Right. You know, and, and uh, so if if uh, something intangible like a soul, oh, it's all nice. It's a good thought, you know. Right. And it, it's a, a balsam for the for the heart when somebody dies and you're going to see him again. Right. It's like a, it's the salve that that you're like, you're sad about it. And so you just kind of cover it. Of course, they're in a better place. Yeah. But I have a very, I have a very strong anti-religion arguments for this. I, to me, um, the the religions, uh, Buddhism, I don't know that much about. They have they're a little bit of different category, but religions are there. They instituted the monotheism, which is from father to son, which instituted the male supremacy. Right. They put in the Ten Commandments. They put that women became chattel. Right. It didn't say don't covet your your neighbor's. Uh, husband. Right, right, okay? right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, so that it was in one fell swoop, they made it man to man. Right. Old guy to young guy. And, uh, and the dehumanization of women, that uh, we, are, we are chattel and yeah, don't, That's right. don't objectify your neighbor's wife. I know you want to. Yeah. She's hot. But uh, but she's a person. Uh, no no no. She she belongs to this guy. Right. Yeah. It's right. The, the property thing. Well, it's the same thing with marriage uh, and right. And a property movement and all that. I I don't. I was married. I don't believe in marriage. I feel like it's yeah. a, a contract totally. that totally. we don't. For me, need. it took me quite a while to just to accept the okay, gay people want to be married too. We were trying to up out of all of it, you know. And so I I, I get it. I get it. And I'm all in support of it. Don't see it like that. But right. politically, I mean, we we just all bought into the structure. Right. And that is, everyone's fine with it. Everybody thinks that the T-Rex bones, you know, everybody, the things that we all believe. Yeah. And, and it's ridiculous that we've said, and we take these texts and say, yeah, well, women aren't worth as much, or they're, they're worth somehow more. The Jews flipping around. They say that women are worth so much that you have to treat them in a certain way because they're so much better than us. Like, it's this weird, like, sort of like, backhanded misogyny it's like you're so yeah. great mm-hmm. that we they can't, can't get handle ourselves around you right. yeah there's another weird thing that jews do they they uh, 
the Orthodox they have sex through a, a sheet so the the man has to lay on the bottom and he puts a sheet on him oh. and his dick sticks through the sheet and then the woman's on top because men cannot control their sexual urges so it has to be completely up to the woman to do whatever she wants to up I, there I thought the sheet thing was debunked that was just an old uh, thing that it uh, I recently heard from Adam Rubenfeld whose father is a cantor we talked about it so it still exists it's yeah, still a weird thing weird yeah Mormons what do you think about Mormons Heidi well it's just an it's it's a sidearm of the whole the whole thing right. the whole male supremacy thing right and then they get even more wives yeah, yeah right. <laughs> none of them can say anything no, you know? yeah. Yeah, and it, it's also population control. Isn't it nice how the Bible can be used both ways in terms of don't have children or don't have sex or go forth and multiply and form a congregation? Oh, right. right so right. In, in times of strife, when you need less people, okay, everybody abstain from doing stuff. But when times are plentiful and you need more followers to amass more money and power, go forth and multiply. Right. If you, well, the money and the power. is it, It's so sad to me that religion and money and power are all intertwined but it's supposed to be about spirituality so it's like this ruse of of connectedness or like i don't know i feel more connectedness with i don't know fellow drug users i guess mm -hmm. than i do with like and i used to be really religious like super i drank the jesus kool-aid i <laughs> thought jesus was i really i thought he was a great boyfriend i was sang in the quiet sang up in front of everybody I was a camp counselor i did this bible delving thing you go out in the forest and you take your bible and you pray so jesus show me what you need me to see and you open up the bible eyes closed run down finger open your eyes and then there's a bible verse and you're supposed to think about it and uh, mine were always about sodomy, like I couldn't get out of Leviticus. You know what I mean? Uh, it's a, that's a joke. But seriously, I used to Bible delve. I literally used to do this as a kid. I'd go out in the forest with my Bible, and I'd be like totally talking to Jesus. I'd be like, Jesus, show me. And I would like have these weird spiritual moments that now I'm like, what was I? I mean, God, I wish I would have been reading Nietzsche or something. Like, why was I reading this weird Bible thing? But, you know, thanks, God. Uh, but I've moved far far away from uh organized religion but i i don't know i still kind of believe in god like what because there's we are we have to admit our world's pretty miraculous like it's pretty crazy absolutely oh yeah like and now there's a tesla car like there's so many incredible things that i can't even wrap my brain around like well that's the cue though i mean we have to we have to learn i mean we don't have to but it'd be nice to learn to be with not knowing something Ah. You know, I mean, it's like just because we don't know something, we don't have to invent something and put it there. Huh. And it shuts it off. You know, it shuts off uh, looking, it shuts off that because you don't have to look because you know already it's handled. No, we don't know where the damn universe is from. Right, 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 you right. You know, or any of that, or why it's like that. Uh, evolution is a pretty good one, but, you know, not for the universe. Well, we the don't constantly know. expanding universe, they're saying that the right. universe is constantly expanding. I'm like, how, what is happening? What is, how is that? And then, so, do you believe in other worlds? Do you believe that there are other worlds than these that can sustain life that we should either populate or that already exist? I, on the, on the uh, already exist doesn't, I don't know. I just, with, with how vast that universe is, I cannot believe that there wouldn't be another form. Uh, that we're the only ones where the, right. the hot the hot water and the, all of the bacteria and all of a sudden brought that apart. I don't know. Right. We don't know. 
Um, I, but the, the parallel universes and all that stuff, I think that's personally something made up. Because we're, but, and then, but the, the capacity for the human brain to make up these weird, like I, that whole parallel universe thing that every moment that happens, happens ex, like exactly the oppositely in another dimension or something, or there's every choice you made, the opposite choice could have been made, and therefore in the alternate reality that choice was made but then that's a totally self-centered thing because that thing that means that the universe revolves around each of us individually which right. is totally impossible because right. that means that there's so many multiverses because every single decision that every person makes spawns another dimension like how the hubris of man yeah but how arrogant right like all of it and that, I, I think that has a lot to do with religion too. But then, or why we have to believe it. Like, or we have to believe something because we're so great or something. I don't Follow know. Follow the money here, yeah. Follow the money. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so what do you, what are some things you spend money on? For me, I do, I've, over the years, I've done a lot of courses, self, personal growth. Um, learning, investing learning, in education. Learning, learning. I'm a, I'm a lifetime learner. On my deathbed, I'm going to read. Red. You know, I'm just not, there's not, I mean, there's just so so much to learn and discover and think about and write about and protest against. <laughs> what What was the last book you read? Um, I read usually about eight or ten. At the same at the time? time? Yeah. And it, I, don't, yeah, I don't read like, okay, beginning, middle and end. It's just like I read to further what I'm studying. Right. You know, like that. So what are you studying right now? Um, I, I'm writing a, I'm, in the beginning stages of writing a book, I think that um, the sex drive has been the most successful manipulator of people ever. Wow. And they're using it, and they're still using it. It's, ba it's what religions are based on, it's what the uh, advertising is based on, and it's like you, what you do is you suppress the sex drive, and then you make it uh, guilt and shame around it, and then you have to circle back to where, where you need to be forgiven, and you do the same thing. And the same thing with, and it's only, it's always selling pussy most of the time. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. And, and making people bad about it. Right. And then not giving ownership, women ownership of their own of their body. Of their body the one thing that they're selling, <laughs> right? Which, which is, I guess, for, isn't that funny that prostitution is uh, the only uh, it's the only crime that becomes legal when you film it. So if you <laughs> if you it's a Journey Roberts uh, joke. If uh, you have sex for money, that's illegal. Yeah. But if you film it and distribute it to all of your friends. No problem. Then it's porn and everybody's fine with it. Yeah. it. That's just so funny to me. And yeah. Arden, what were you going to say? Well, it, it, His sex drive rule. Does your sex drive rule you? Yes. Yes. Completely. Um, do you think that's a specifically man thing, Heidi? Do you think that that's no, because think, the sex drive rules no, the men? I think that, we, we got the lid on it very quickly as women. Uh huh. Uh, we, for some reason, from almost from the time we pop out, they, they teach us that sex equates love. Oh okay. yes, yes. So, so then the sexual, that sexual jealousy that that women have more than men. I mean, for men it's about possession. For women, how how could he have betrayed me like that? Put his penis in her pussy, you know? Right, what right, I mean? right, Big right. Fucking deal. But that's what we were trained on very early, and men were sort of okay. Well, he has to sow his whatever they say oats, right? Yeah. Yeah. So your sex drive rules you. Yeah, it rules me. But it, it's uh, having worked in advertising and marketing, you know, one of the biggest aspects of why we use beautiful people 
in ads is because part of our courtship ritual and part of trying to seduce the other people, other sex or same sex, uh, is uh, this thing called mimicry, right? Where you see a girl's into some terrible indie band, right? So now all of a sudden you become an expert in this indie band because she, you know, likes that band. So throw a sexy girl on a poster with the latest, you know, Mac or whatever, and suddenly, oh, if I get that, I can have the sexy girl from the ad. Right. It, it's a subconscious thing, but it, it's very effective. It And it, it is, there's uh, one uh, pharmaceutical industry that uh, really plays on it with the with the penis pills, if you watch the marketing on the Viagra commercial, you never see the man's face. It's always blurred, and it's this hot lady, and she's walking around and talking about. And you see him in the background. They're going to a hotel or something. You see him in the background, but but then you've got Cialis, which is the one that they promote to like married couples because you take it sort of all the time as opposed to Viagra. You take it and then it works. So with Cialis, they show always couples different women different men together and then their thing is that the two people in a bathtub like holding yeah. hands is like which is totally like not that's the weirdest kind of sexy it's a penis pill but they're in separate bathtubs like <laughs> all right okay fine okay it's your branding whatever but it's interesting how they market differently to single guys as opposed to married guys and it's almost like they're, the Viagra is marketed toward the men and the Cialis is marketed toward the women mm. yeah. because they show relationships and holding hands and all this and both of them together as opposed I, to just I have a theory on the bathtub thing though it's because they're marketing to baby boomers and Ricky and Lucy couldn't be in the same bed together so you can't share the same bathtub it, it's the whole <laughs> television morality <laughs> thing one. right yeah yeah uh, have you, are you are you married Heidi? no no have you ever been married? yes did you like it? I was so young. I was so dumb. I don't know. You know, I, I know. What I learned through my marriage is that jealousy is a taught emotion that's one of the most toxic ones. I was very jealous. It's taught. So jealousy yeah. isn't, when you, when you come out the womb, you're a good person. We already yeah. got that. But yeah. the, the jealousy comes later. Right. It's like you're parenting, you're experiential. So, yeah, yeah talk to us about this jealousy thing. I, it, it, Let's say that, let's say there is no no limit on having who you're having sex with, right? And it isn't viewed as a betrayal. Sex is something that relaxes the nervous system. <laughs> okay, it, I mean, if you, you have sex and you have an orgasm, you go, ha. Ah. You know, I, right. I once did a skit on that, on the, being the nervous system on stage, right? So, because that, that's, that is the need, that is to me the, the reason for, for an orgasm. So what they did is they took that whole orgasm and made it into all these different functions, and one of them is jealousy. Huh. So, and then they want them to fuck, you know, but only in marriage. So, uh, so you, gotta, you gotta stay horny for most of the time until you get married. Right. And then you can have some, you know, and by that time, the nervous system is just about shot, you know, <laughs> <laughs> and the irritation is coming. I mean, that's how they're doing on, on the, on these poor guys that, that blow themselves up, you know. Oh, I mean, right. 72 like, virgins yeah. and they get, yeah. yeah, they're, they get their 72 virgins later after they're dead. Yeah. So I don't know, you know, I mean, I, I learned there that, it's, that having sex should not break up marriage. See, I the jealousy thing I, it's hard for me to believe it was because we're jealous of all kinds of things if someone else has something that we want 
then there's a jealousy factor but there's there a, too. But that's a three-year-old way to teach, you know, to share your damn toy. Right. Right. I mean, so it didn't graduate out of it. Right. Right. I just I would be so butthurt if I if my boyfriend was having sex with somebody else I would be so but it's an agreement see right. it, it, it's a, it should be an agreement okay and then that is the the, the, the break in trust okay we have a relationship that does not uh, that has us have sex with each other right do you agree yes do you agree yes and then the agreement should be getting uh, getting the guilt tripping out of it if somebody one of you has has sex with somebody else it should be talked about absolutely but here's the thing like because women are taught that sex is part of like love and part of a relationship it would be hard for, like if I I don't think that I'd be able to like let's say I wanted to have sex with somebody else there would be this whole other sort of like relationship build into it it wouldn't just be like right. I'm gonna have sex because it's right. fun it would be like you know I really like them and I want to spend time with them and then that sort of changes the nature of the right. original relationship right. because, because that's the setup. right but that's just and i guess maybe i was trained that way what if i mean what if it was everyone just because if everyone could safely communicate with each other then you wouldn't have the std issue right for for, for one or if masturbation was a, a, a really viable option right for rather than, I mean, most of the people that I know that were told then not to. Right, you know? I, yeah, me so, too. So if masturbation is one, then you can actually have relationships with other people and not have like, oh my God, I'm horny, maybe I can have some. Right. You know, I mean, I don't know what world that would be, but that is the thoughts I have had to see how how can this, the, the inner relationship with people be better. Right. I asked, I used to masturbate in my closet when I was a kid. Like I was afraid of my parents finding out and all that stuff. And so I was, I would go into my closet, but I'm like, where did that come from? I mean, I was like seven or eight years old hiding in my closet, masturbating, like where, I mean, are there so many, there's so much bombardment societally as to the messages of how we're supposed to live and be a moral person that that just, that we somehow shut down the sexuality that that's it. Because of the, do you think it's that it's because of a mass control? It's yes. it's the external control. Yeah. Because if they control our sexuality, then they control us. Yeah. Because you cannot control the hunger uh, instinct. You cannot you cannot control the thirst instinct. The instinct that doesn't kill you when you control it is the sex instinct. The huh. only one. It's so funny. I've never thought of it that way. Yeah. Because it's it's. I mean, that's one of the three. You you have to eat to live. But do you have to have sex to live? You have to have sex to create more life. But do you, well, I guess look at the priests. I mean, you look at the people who negate themselves that part of their yeah. humanity yeah. and then how that manifests in really gross, weird ways. Yeah. 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 So, right. And, and, uh, if you, if, if it was looked at as a need, not a need that kills you, like if you don't breathe, you die, you know, right. um, to, to relax the body and the nervous system. And then you can have that actually as, as a as a wonderful thing, I think we are ripped off by how we are taught about about sex. Ripped off, people uh, people drink because they're so damn uptight. Right. To to have it. I mean, how often does anybody says, you know what? Is your clitoris here feeling better than this? You know, how many people are going to ask that? You know, right. the other day I made a, uh, made a uh, in one of my sets. It's like 
they, they've, they invented the missionary position, okay? It's called the missionary position because the missionary said, men on top, women on the bottom. Men on top, women on the bottom probably does not allow 65 to 70 percent of the women to come. Right. Because of the... And, and the angles. Was a study on it. Yeah, there's a glitteries, there's a, there's an actual pussy. If it doesn't rub right, you're not coming, right? Right, right. So then... Then you can't even talk about that. But even Freud was such a dick because back in the early, you know, turn of the century, he said that women that have clitoral orgasms that that's an adolescent type of orgasm, and well, the only he, he real orgasm is an is a vaginal orgasm. Right. And everyone believed it. it's that it's that lesson that everyone's like, oh, sure, this sounds good. Let's all believe it. Yeah. And it comes from religion, though. It comes. Well, he also did a lot of cocaine. Well, that one, but I, 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 am, <laughs> I am a fan though of Freud. I mean, he, I, I see him in the context of uh, turn of the century uh, uh, Austrian uptight society that didn't even think about any of that. Stuff, right. You know? It was so, it was such it was such it was groundbreaking that they were even talking right, about right uh, orgasms in general. I guess. Yeah. Because when did we we've known that? I mean, because I I remember being a child and having like and masturbating and having clitoral orgasms as a, as a child even but i don't remember how that was how i figured that out like i remember being five years old and teaching i remember her name valerie duda <laughs> we were five and we were in kindergarten and i brought her into my room and the wallpaper was it was yellow and it had these little white flowers on it and we laid down on my bedspread and i tried to show her how to masturbate. I was like, you put your hands like this and you kind of get on top of yourself. We had our clothes on and everything, obviously, because you got to have a little fabric there. And I was trying to show her and like, after a minute, she's like, I don't get it. I don't know what we're supposed to be doing. And I was like, oh, she doesn't get it. Huh. But at the time, I didn't like, I mean, I didn't ask my parents. I don't even know how it came about. So it's like, is that something that's just born? It is literally born into us. Like, little baby boys play with their little peepees and I mean why not you know you pay, play with right with right right. Else, right yeah exactly fingers hair toes the whole and deal then, and then you get hit on your hand the first time and it's like ooh, oh oh right 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 wrong it, exactly and they right. say that's it's, bad it's not, gotcha. a verbal, it's not a verbal communication yeah you know usually the first time when i was i when i was in kindergarten also my um my mom told me stories when I was later in life that she got called in to the teacher. And this is at a Christian school, mind you, in kindergarten. And the teacher called Mrs. Mowers. Oh, she was a cunty bitch. And <laughs> called her in and said, your daughter's masturbating in class. And my mom was like, no, she's not. And now I look back and I'm thinking I probably was. But I felt, I'm sure that I felt so uncomfortable in that classroom with these this awful teacher who just didn't get me and didn't like me and she was terrible she fat shamed me she was not a nice lady but that i was probably feeling so uncomfortable that i was masturbating right like that's got to be pretty common for kids when they're in a situation that they feel really uncomfortable about i would I, maybe and but i was like not only shamed literally but then like shamed through my parents with the yeah. shaming so then the shaming came so i guess that makes sense why i would masturbate my closet when i was seven right because right, i was right, taught right, that right, you right, can't right, right. you're not this is not okay exactly but yeah. i guess we have to teach kids that there's certain contexts for things and this maybe masturbation in a classroom is not an appropriate thing but that's a teachable moment that's right. not hitting somebody on the hand and, and saying bad bad dirty right Right, which is where the first association comes, or down there, or you right. know, stuff like that, because the parents are uptight about it. 
Right. But how, and this gets even weirder and farther, but how do you teach sexuality to your kids? I mean, okay, so for me, obviously I don't do it because I don't have any kids. Because So if I like tried to have a teachable moment with a child, they'd be like, that, that's not an appropriate conversation for you to be having with a child, right? But then how do parents even have conversations that won't be like, because I could see a child with an overactive imagination maybe being taught about sex too early, but getting messages or having messages from home that they're trying to have a safe and open and talk about it and stuff and then going to school and then them saying, that's bad, that's wrong, why do you know that information kind of stuff. That I'm sure happens all the time. Yeah. Do you have any kids? No. Neither do I. I chose not to. I wanted to see how far I can go myself, to develop myself. Right. How far I can go, yeah. What was the, what was your cutoff point? I'm 42. I knew when I was 36 that it wasn't going to happen. Well, I knew much earlier. (laughs) And I had the lucky, lucky strike that the, uh, the pill came out in the 60s. Oh, yeah. So, so it was like, as, I didn't have to. I didn't have to worry about it. I right, right. So I've never put myself in a, in a situation to be to be pregnant. That's great. I just chose not to. That's so, that's, that's that's so great for your health and safety and the whatever and the stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and ugh, abortions are not difficult, but just annoying. <laughs> it's just it, it ruins your day. Well, you know? they, those were not legal until Roe and Wade, you know. Right. So, right. That that was in what seventy four. So in the sixties. So you you were around during like the, like the I guess the resurgence of or the what would you call it that women were suddenly allowed to be the sexual revolution. Right. Yeah. The sexual revolution looked a little different. It's like. Uh, it wasn't all of a sudden we were all so liberated and so on, but it's like it was more like the women couldn't really say no as easily. Oh. You know, it was not necessarily a step by step. That, that liberation t- took longer. It was just, you know, it's like, what, what's the matter with you? We, we are now having free sex, you know, not rather right. than all of a sudden this, this love and con- uh, uh, consideration for each other all of a sudden emerged now. Right, you know, but my mother had uh, there was no uh, no no contraceptive except for the rubbers, and she had she she had she couldn't have she didn't want to have a third child. Right. She had a, an abortion from a, a colleague of my father. Wow, he did it back. Uh, that, that, that's the, what the son of a bitches want now, back alley uh, abortions. Right, you know, horrible shit. Absolutely, and it. <sighs> I mean, and terrible things can happen too. If you, if you're, if it's abortion done wrong, you can you can yeah, kill somebody. Totally, they can die. They can yeah. get all sepsis and yeah, terrible stuff. But man, they just they suck that baby. The only thing I regret about my uh, second abortion is that they wouldn't let me have an iPhone with me, so I couldn't record the set. Well, because <laughs> I got in there and they gave me these great drugs. They gave me midazolam, it's like fast-acting, short-lived benzodiazepine. It's like a crazy Valium that's great. And they're like, you know, some people talk during the procedure, some people don't talk. I was like, how long is it? They're like, about five minutes. Because like, anybody ever told jokes? Uh-huh. And they said, no, that's actually never happened before. And I was like, I'm going to do a hot set. I'm going to do a hot five. <laughs> do a bringer show. I'm going to leave it there. Oh, my God. It's gonna be, be there. I, You're going to bring I an did, extra uh, audience member. I did. I brought an extra audience member. They just they just died. Uh, but it was only like 20 days old anyway. So, so they, were, they didn't understand the jokes. Well, at least it killed. It killed. It, it ki- Well, and I did. I honestly did jokes for five minutes during my abortion. And I remember, I remember at one point like doing like, because it was hard to remember things when you're on that many drugs. 
and uh, and I did like my whiskey dick joke, and I did I did like all my <laughs> all my old classics, and they were they were laughing, they were dying, they thought it was so funny, and at the end I gave them all flyers, and I was like, because it was over here at General, <laughs> I was like, got a comedy place right down here, you guys could come see me anytime, you want to see my face instead of what's in between my legs. And I kept, gave them all flyers. Good. Yeah. Well, so you're, you, have you always been seen as this really progressive woman? And because it seems like you've been ahead of the times. And d- did that like negatively affect you? Like, can you explain? Do you feel like the stigma of I'm an, I'm an intelligent, empowered woman. This is a problem. Like, did people kind of get on you about that? Or I became, I'm a diplomat. I can say it, and I I feel responsible for what my communication has to hit over the uh, to the other person so that they understand rather than hit them. Right. You know, most of the time. I mean, not I I have a, a, a very variation of reactions in my life. You know, right. that I can that I'm pretty much can control. So I, uh, yeah, no. I think I think we have to in all of it we have to communicate, not take shit. Right. But. Uh, see that the other person gets a little bit empowered about it you know uh let's see oh well, look at this we're uh, you guys are listening to some call me tim here on mutinyradio.fm we're with heidi mueller famous comedian <laughs> scholar when's your when's your next show you know what I decided the other day it's like I'm going to work on a one woman show oh great so it's in the next year and a half I give myself great so I, what I was thinking is like every time I go up, I'm gonna try and find another piece of it and you know polish it. I'm I'm not by my default is not funny. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, other people I admire them, but for me I have to kind of work on it a little bit. Yeah, so. you gotta craft it well. Uh, this is a great place for one woman shows. I it's know, really great sound. It, I appreciate put it with it. the. Uh, with the cam- camera, I I did a one woman show. I guess it was three years ago now, which is a long, long time ago. Uh, it seems like, but I did an hour here, and it was uh, it was called "Does This Joke Make Me Look Fat?" <laughs> and I I did my poster. It was really sexy. I'll see if I can find a picture for you guys. Uh, it still exists on the internet, but uh, it's it's one woman shows are really cool, and I've enjoyed doing them. But it it is hard to talk for an hour on stage, like. I had my whole like, whew, it was a lot of work. I mean, I practiced here. I did like a bunch of even um, dress rehearsals, like live on air and like practiced mm-hmm. and tried mm-hmm. to, mm-hmm. but doing an hour, man, it is, it's easy to talk for an hour. Like we can do this and this isn't an issue, but mm-hmm. when you're trying to be on stage and like tell jokes, yeah. oh, and then, and I've been watching, we were talking about Netflix on the last thing. I've been watching some of those Netflix specials with the, and I'm like, they're not that much better than us. Yeah. Is that like the hubris of, of, of my no. com- comedic no. votes? No. I watch the things on the Netflix and I'm like, they're not they're not that much better than any of us. It, it's they've cultivated an audience that you know responds positively to their stuff, and they have enough people to pack a room, and you can film a really good set when you've got an audience behind you, and uh, you know it's it, it's not that. You know, they're any better or worse than us. It's just that they've gotten the exposure that we're all looking for. I know. And how, what is, what is, it's like, what is the next level of exposure? Are we ever going to get to it? Do you believe, Heidi, do you believe you're going to be famous someday? Or you just, you just like performing? You just like. I'm going to be famous someday. You are. Sweet. You still believe. Yeah. And it's not a belief. I mean, it's just like, 
Yeah, it's you know better. It's marketing. Yeah, it's all it's, marketing. It's marketing. I, I, I marketed already. myself as a realtor for 29 years. I'm one of the best realtors in the Bay Area. Oh, right. You know, so, but I, I, I was a cab driver before. So I'm just talking for it in as far as marketing is concerned. So, well, I think a, a, a message has to has to resonate. Yeah. Uh, you, you were, you've been selling houses in this area? Yeah. Wow. So are you like a rich person? No. Because the the common conception of of realtors is that they're rich because because they have good cars and they bought property, right. but uh, the the commissions you make are not profit. Oh, because you have to put all the money in. Yeah, I mean you're you have to put all the contractor. Right. I spend thousands and thousands on marketing. Right. Right. So it's not like oh my God, you're making five. First of all, you're not making all the co- the commission. It goes minimum four ways. Plus the assistant. Wow. You know, so, but it's, it's a wonderful profession. I love it a lot. Yeah, my mom used to, she used to sell houses. She and my dad went and got their real estate licenses and they worked together and, and they loved it when they did it. Um, yeah. And it, it was, they liked, they liked working together. I'm like, whatever, you guys like spend time together? Wow, that's <laughs> unusual. They're both in like their 70s. So here's the, this was the, this was my flyer for when I did my, let's see, it was, I wonder, I can't tell what year it was. Uh, but there it is. I wrote all over my body all the information, and then we took a picture, and then that was the flyer. So, and that was great because I was great. trying to market myself. I was like, I got a cute tushy. And that, that yeah. too. And that, you know, I made like 500 flyers and sent them around. And it's funny because a lot of people still have this flyer because they were like, of course I'm going to keep that flyer. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, that's so funny. Good. I objectified myself, <laughs> which I thought was. That was cute. It's, it's so funny. It's the first thing I put in, and it came up, and I'm like, yay. Thank you, Google. You don't help me at all. Uh, so what is what is the next, um, your next goals are? You've got your one-woman show. You want to write this book. And then you're going to... real estate. And then real estate. Yeah. You have time for all of this. Um, it's, it's, time is thin. I also do bodybuilding, so... I mean, that's pretty much what takes... You're, do you, you like do squats and shit? Yeah. I, what? I, I work out with a trainer minimum three times a week. Really? But at, at nine at night. <laughs> so, so I have, it's, my, my time is full. Wow. I, I really, the, 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 the writing is, is taking a backseat at this point. I just do flashes here and there. And I, I write all the time, but it's, it needs to come together. Right, right. Well, trying to find... Like three hours to write a day is, I mean, how can you, uh, Arnon has a new idea for his show on the night space of doing high writing, almost like automatic writing, almost Gertrude Steinian writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's going to be a high time story time and you, uh, I sit down for an hour, totally baked and write out a, a a radio play scene. And then I give it to some of my friends to perform for us live on air. Nice. And then they get to critique it and rip it apart and call me a hack. So <laughs> it's going to be a fun time. Nice. Uh, high time story. I, I haven't, it's been so hard to find time for anything. And yeah. I, the problem with me is I enjoy drinking excessively. <laughs> so it's so hard to find time to like have. So I've sort of bridged those together in that, I mean, if I'm at a comedy show, I'm probably going to be drinking. Like that's. Uh-huh. That's what's gonna. That's what's gonna happen tonight from eight to ten here at the, <laughs> at the open mic. Um, so you haven't been hitting. I haven't been seeing you around too many open mics. How many open mics do you usually hit? Would you say in a week? 
One. Just one. Well, I go. I'm, I go to comedy college. Oh, you go a, comedy college. You go, are so busy. Yeah, I go Monday. I go to the writing class, and now I'm doing Tuesday. Wow. Before, or before I was doing Thursday. So it's all sliced up, but it's good. But and so you really love learning, and you love an academic setting. What do you What do you think about the comedy college? Has it been really helpful for you, yeah. or is it yeah. because of the community that it's building, or is it the I actual didn't have skills? I did not have a clue what it was all about, really. Mm. I mean, that's what I, I wanted to do. If you, want, if you want to tell people the truth, make them laugh or they kill you, that was my, my thrust of doing it. Wow. It still is my thrust of doing it. And so the, 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 my bigger context is, okay, how can I make it fun, what I have to say? Right. right. Wow. So you're, you chose comedy as a specific way to target your message. Right. Because nobody wants to hear a TED talk or like yeah. it's is it that people don't want to have access to knowledge anymore unless it's fun and easy is totally. it yeah i mean it's the same with I, I don't know where the concept started it's like i used to be a school teacher at south city high school yeah. you know and you had to uh if it if it's they thought it was hard i mean yeah but i mean people think it shouldn't be hard so you got to I mean, you got to be the messenger to, to for the message to land. So. Right. I think Google conditioned this all because you know I'm I'm of that last generation that used the card catalog to go find books in a library. Wow, Dewey Decimal System. Yeah, that, pla- what? that place where you don't just look up internet porn and use the bathroom. Right. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, and uh, so for me, finding an answer to something was always it was kind of like a video game. Right, where you have to reach a certain number of experience points, and then suddenly, level achieved, you know math. Right, right, right. And it's like, awesome, that's great, I get to level up just by going out and doing my homework, right? But then Google said, well, if you just type in, you know, what is the Pythagorean theorem, Google tells you all the information you need right. to answer that question, right? And so no longer is it about the search for knowledge, it's more about obtaining knowledge and then repurposing knowledge right so i think the way we think of problem solving is going to change drastically um you know now with this new generation coming up always being connected to uh it's i think it's it's your it's funny enough it's i think it's your microphone put your um the xlr cord flip it back in you're back in oh entropy is so great in this station Entropy. Uh, things break. The, the speed at which things break and mm-hmm. fall apart. Entropy. Uh, no, I completely agree with you about the access to knowledge. Do you, do, do you think we've dumbed down our kids now? Do you think that... Totally. And, and how, do we, how do we bring it back? Like, is critical thought lost? Can we still teach children how to be good human beings? Or are we just well, all... the good human beings that did not get dumbed down. It's the... Um, it's the relying, it's the pas- passive way of acquiring knowledge that I think is going to drop s- certain capacities. Right, like you TV know? is like the most passive way to imbibe knowledge, uh, right? Also going on Google and finding it, because just because you, you see the, the Pythagoras uh, information doesn't mean that you know it. You right. have to look it up again. Yeah, you have to look it up every time versus yeah. acquiring the knowledge yeah, and, and retaining it. it. Constructing it and doing it and, and drawing it and, oh, that's why that is. I right. mean, with the self-driving cars, <laughs> I mean, Jesus Christ, all you need is the, the thumbs anymore, you know? Well, and I wonder about these self-driving cars. Can children drive self-driving cars? That's, not, that's Right? Yeah. So if you're 
like it changes everything if you have a kid and uh, you only have one car and mom's got to go to work but kids got to go to school and they have to be up in 7.30 and you go hey car drive uh, Johnny down to the you know, school and then what? And then he gets out of the car and goes, Hey car, go back to mom's house. And then we've got cars with no one driving in it. Yeah. Like, is that what's going to happen is we're going to have a bunch of cars on the road with nobody in them because the cars are going to pick people up from places. Yeah. Like you could get an Uber, you could be all boop, 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 boop. And then your Uber would come and there's no one in there. Yeah. It's It's crazy to think about, but think about it. It leads to the perfect capitalist socialist utopia. Totally. I don't own my car anymore. I lend it out to people, but I make money every time they use it, right? So if you have, if you have, you know, the the next 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 Tesla, right? You can say, well, yeah, sure, it's a quarter million dollar car, but when I'm not using it, it's roaming the city doing the lift. <laughs> it's roaming. And, the car is working on its own. So does AI exist? I mean, that's like, it's a you have, you have a robot car that makes you money. Yeah, yeah. That's crazy. Which could be hacked? I know. Wouldn't yeah. that be fun? I, I mean, I want to hunt down some drones. You know what I'm saying? I want to like, I want to get some cool, knit some cool like, uh, I don't know, webs out of you know old dental floss that no one uses anymore, and then train some pigeons <laughs> to go find drones and then take them down, and then I get the products, right? Like if you. Get the army of pigeons with the nets to trap the drones, and the drone falls to the ground. I want that skin cream. You know what I'm saying? Like oh, God. <laughs> the, the police are already using hawks, specially trained hawks, to uh, retrieve drones. Shut like, up. Yeah. The police are using like, like the San Francisco police. Not, not SF. It, it's somewhere much more rural. But there, there is a pilot program to train hawks and eagles to retrieve drones, in case they ever pose a you know threat to public safety. Wow. I, see, I think th- drones in general pose a threat to public safety because oh, yeah. they're so flying around in the sky. Like, I feel like a remote control helicopter could be dangerous to people. I mean, it's blades whipping around in the air. So, um, drones. Well, uh, what do you think about... You've, you've seen a lot of future in your days. Did you ever think that the drones were going to be a reality or flip phones? Like, you've seen it from phones no, I in the... I read 1984. I knew it was coming. You, yeah, you read 1984. You're like, that's a, people it, it in the screens. Cool. They're yeah. watching me. Yeah, no, I, I, I don't know. I, I find this pretty, uh, pretty bad. What's the craziest thing that's happening right now invention wise that you would say I could never have imagined that happening is self-driving cars it no the internet the internet I mean the internet who I mean come on I I have friends in Morocco right (laughs) I have friends in in India I mean amazing the the possibility right now only the uh, the idiots have uh, thinking to connect you know like the, the the people that like to blow up things but also the people the the people that need to move up and say, hey, you know what, I want a slice of the pie. Right. You know, we can unite too. Right. It's just not happened yet. India, China, lots of, uh, the, it's the access to information. And uh, see, I keep wondering. Uh, we hear it. We're fine. It's, it's got to be our, it's, it's got to be our box. Uh, I believe it. So the internet's the craziest thing that you think you could have never imagined. No. When you were growing up, you never would have thought, we're going to look at these computer boxes and I'm going to type in. No. This is my favorite new game is uh, to use the Google search engine to see what it thinks. So I put in, this is my favorite one right now. Trump is, and it comes out with, Trump is the anointed one. What? 
what? <laughs> what? Like, and if you put in uh, like it says, so it says Trump is winning. Trump is Israel. Trump is going to win. Trump is losing. Trump is coming. Trump is the anointed one. Horrible. It's, that's crazy to me that that's what that's what Google that's what the algorithm in Google is saying right now and it's telling all of us this and it's like if you put in let's see put in nasty uh, not Trump is nasty we'll just put in nasty I bet it comes up woman first nasty uh, nasty women uh, nasty woman nasty woman t-shirt filthy McNasty that's a nice one but uh, but nasty women is one of the first things that shows up and that's I don't, it's just, it's, it's what, uh, I mean, is Google just whatever we're all thinking or? Nah, this no. is just a logarithm. It's just a logarithm. It's just an algorithm it's that everybody follows. It's a frequency of, of words that come up together. So I wonder how one would organize a large group of like, you know, like millions of people like India or China and like try to change that. But they don't even have the same internet that we do, do they? No. Well, not in China. Because they restrict. I don't think India is restricted. India is not restricted, but in terms of you know, because again, all this stuff is run on algorithms. What what information they're served when they run a Google search versus what we're served versus what another region serves is all different. That's so weird. And it's even different between you and me based on our history of searches. Right. Wow. Yeah. I just I can't. I it, it it just like trying to wrap my brain around the concept of the internet first i still believe in al gore it's a series of tubes <laughs> oh no he didn't say that who said it was a series of tubes it was some senator it was uh, the, the internet's a series of tubes and when al gore started it he didn't invent the internet but he was the one who put uh, navy, navy funding into it so that they could fund the concept of the mm-hmm. the internet and who was the person sitting in a the room they're like oh, okay we're gonna have all the computers talk to each other all the time, everywhere. Well, it, it was an evolution. At first, it was a bunch of professors sitting around saying, well, we want to be able to talk to each other remotely. Uh, and these computers are interesting. Can they talk to each other? So they, working with funding from DARPA and the colleges, they came together and said, okay, well, we'll set up a network. And we'll, we'll you know, the, the whole concept of a network was drawn on the back of a cocktail napkin. They're like, wow. okay, it'll be, you know, a computer... A very special computer talking to a very special computer to relay messages and information. And they got that to work, and the first message they sent crashed the other computer. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, the history of the Internet's really funny in that it was this very novel, very, you know, geek-driven concept. But then once the military saw, oh, we can send other types of information and communications over this, that the, the Navy and all, DARPA and all that really started blowing it out. And then, you know, uh, mainframe computers was the advent of local internet. Right? Uh, you know, you've got a mainframe, but then you have terminals that log into the frame to share time to use that computing problem power. And then somebody said, well, wait, that internet thing's there. What if we linked a whole bunch of ma- mainframes together? And that became server farms and things. So, yeah, it was just this natural evolution of this thing called the internet. I, it just, it's so, it boggles me and how fast things are moving and what is going to be next. We've got self-driving cars. We all have computers. I mean, my phone is dumb, so I don't have a computer in my back pocket, but we all have computers on us. We can get any information anytime we want. And what do we do as people? Like, what's the number one thing that we look for? Porn. Porn. So it gets all back to sex there again, is that all of these amazing machines for all of the intellectual knowledge, the entire breadth of like the knowledge of the universe exists in these neat little boxes that we can carry around in our pocket. And what do we look up? Porn. 
it just it just seems like so funny to me that that's the humanity because it all comes back around whatever's suppressed yeah, becomes that's it. That's it. put the pussy on a pedestal <laughs> look at mary <laughs> go get mary now we put the pussy on an ipad right yeah all right what are the answers did we solve did we solve anything uh, maybe we learned a little about Heidi Mueller in the past hour but we know that she doesn't believe in God or gods and that death is final but you're a magic like I feel like you're so alive and you're so magical you're just putting it all in this it's all in right now yeah, you're all yeah. in both feet in in the water uh, what I saw your beautiful pictures tell us a little bit about do you have any life-changing experiences when you were in the Bahamas no no just life-changing no no just relaxation just uh, relaxation and creativity and uh sunshine yeah you go on vacation every year minimum once wow i think i go i twice and if i can do a third time i go third time. wow because i work all the time uh, absolutely and uh, what are your what are some of your vacation va- favorite destinations that you've been at and where would you well once a recommend? year i go to germany oh you go oh, home right 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 know? and so i like cruises because it yeah. forces me to be uh on vacation because the internet's so expensive so right i buy 250 dollars worth of internet and that has to last you know so that and um and then what just what I, I go to um to professional conferences and just add oh right, add right time right. to it sure you know so that gets me all over the United States like that but your favorite what, what is is Germany like your favorite place what's your favorite place anywhere with the sun okay I like sun yeah when I came to San Francisco, I thought there was sun. <laughs> I came from Buffalo, New York, with two, two uh, duffel bags, thinking June 9th, and I thought it was sun. Right? Yeah. No. No. June's June gloom. It's the worst month oh my in God, San Francisco. Yeah. I, I made a bad decision. Oh. But it turned out. Turned out. I and love San Francisco. How many years have you lived here? Forty. Forty. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Forty-one now. You've seen it all. Yes, and, I have. And. Do you, do you live in the Mission? You don't live in the Mission. I live in the Castro. Oh, the Castro. Rad. Yeah. I love the Castro. Because I was going to say, the Mission has changed. Like, even I've only been in this building for eight years. And when I first was here, when it was Pirate Cat, I mean, I was a little nervous about... I, there was some still some gang activity. There were some shootings going on. There was some pretty oh, yeah. seedy gang stuff going on in this part of the Mission. And it's just so funny to watch it change over the past eight years and now it's like you see strollers everywhere babies dogs and strollers people walking dogs down the street here we've got the got the richie pants places the flower water central kitchen trick dog thing over there with the and it's like constantly stacked full of cool people and they all have i'm like looking at them going like where who where are they coming from are they coming from buffalo how do they afford it here and how who can afford a 12 dollar drink like on the regular, who, who are these people? You gotta be a software engineer. Software engineer. I I, I learned or the marketer. wrong material. Oh, marketing. Okay. <sighs> gotta I'm, say, I left the profession, but it does pay. Yeah, I've never been paid. Like I've never made more than thirty-six thousand dollars a year in my entire life. Even when I was teaching, I've never made. I just don't even understand. I can't even conceptualize how to make money. Even now, if I got a real job and I made say. Let's say I made 60 grand a year. That would be so much money to me that I wouldn't even know how to spend it. Well, you just find new ways to lose it. I, I, I'm, I can't even imagine. That. I live on like $16,000 a year. Is that I crazy? You. 
Yeah. Thank you. Well, no, it's I'm on food stamps, but it's okay. I call I call <laughs> it an, I call it an artist stipend, right? Yeah. Because totally you can't like I mean at this point I mean I'm a 42 year old woman I have two master's degrees I have no idea how I would get a job I have no way job idea what kind of job I would even apply for it's been so long since I've had a quote unquote real job I can't imagine anyone would want to hire me yeah. that's reality though. and they would go for someone young like you they'd be like and who wants to have a like what I'm going to break into marketing and I'm for it just doesn't happen well, Pam, you're kind you're of an entrepreneur I mean you yeah. cannot look at who would hire you I mean right, you have right. to hire yourself your mind spirit every, every, every all the approaches of life that you have says entrepreneur <laughs> <laughs> so you got to look at that direction you know? right because I can't I mean I, how do you work for people? I can't even do it. It's you work fun. for yourself no, yeah. and you make your own decisions and you yeah. call your own shots and you go on vacation yeah. whenever you want. That makes sense to me. But like that corporate mentality of you get three weeks a year, you start out with two weeks a year and after four years with us, you get three weeks a year. Lucky you. Yeah. And you better be working 60 hours a week. And, and don't take those vacations because if you do, when you come back, your desk won't be there. Someone will be in it. Is yeah. that is it that cutthroat? I mean, it can be. I mean, I the first vacation I took after graduating from college was after about five years of working nonstop. Wow. Um, Whoa. I'm also kind of a workaholic, but at the same time, I was trying to get ahead. Like you know, I was jumping jobs every year to year and a half to get the new title, to get the new salary, to do all that stuff. But you wouldn't take? Would you cash out your vacation when you leave? You just wouldn't take it. You just took the money. Uh, so it was, this was in New York, New Jersey. So you don't get the money. It's you <gasps> just forfeit it. And what? But the thing was, it was like it was worth it to me. It was you know chase the money, chase the money, chase the money. Chase but, the money. Uh, but you know, finally this year, I said, or well, 2016, I said enough's enough. I'm done, and I left it. And uh, you know, I, I, I'm starting to do my side hustle, trying to get the writing thing going. Right. And, uh, you know, in the meantime, I make the coffee, which is awesome. I love that job because it's a no-stress job. It's right. a, you know, I love people. People seem to like me. So customer service seems really cool. And, uh, yeah, I do that while I get my sanity back. Yay, sanity. No, uh, before nice. we uh, – Heidi, do you have any tips to, for other people to help them maintain their sanity in this 2017 season you you've you seem to have it all dialed in you seem pretty together you need advice work for our out. listeners work, work out work out this is it this is what you tell wow work out i mean anytime it doesn't work well i mean i work out regularly and uh, in, wow. in, in addition to if something is really upsetting or something like that, work out work out all right some call me tim listeners you heard it here first get off the couch <laughs> listen to this iPod as you're walking around do something get up do some push-ups be healthy or not I mean I I smoke but I still I mean I walk I don't work I got it I gotta start working out again yeah no I mean that's just that is the key to sanity right and and it also keeps you all feeling sexy because you're like look at my butt it's so good I did I doing my squats today how much do you squat uh, I, do, I don't do uh, weight. You don't do weights, oh, okay. I mean, I do weightlifting, but not as uh, the goal is not how much I can. Right. Yeah, but I'm pretty. I, I'm pretty strong. All right. Yeah. But I mean, I do it like as a graduating, graduating weight. Sure. Rather than. Rather than oh, I'm gonna bench one forty no, no. or squat one sixty. No. Go for it. I don't. 
Uh, when I was young. Uh, okay, so this has been uh, the first hour of Some Call Me Tim. We're going to get into the next hour. We'll play some pervert fervor. It looks like we've got David Stolowitz in the house. We might do something with that. His new show is coming up on Tuesday nights from 10 to midnight called Occult Oubliette. We finally figured out. An oubliette is a, is a dungeon with only one door at the top. <laughs> so that's what you I learned I love learning I love learning uh, so we'll um, click on like there should be a thing it'll say pervert fervor or it'll say whip something there's something in there one of them's called paper planes there should be some there's Timmy Mooging should be in there and there should be something does it not exist I'm afraid that our late night playlist person took it off uh which is uh, I can I can find something on my other on my other channel. Uh, but listen to some trippy music, and we'll be back with more trippy music. Thanks for listening. Daybreak, wreckage rise from total blast. Fragments of deleted past. Sheets.
Alex. Ed, can you tell me what food relieves insomnia, anxiety, stress, chronic brain, depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite? I'm going to guess waffles. <laughs> that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good, because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical-free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tusser Matters with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? (laughs) It's a cash cock, honey. Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than mutinyradio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Hey, 
Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of Mutiny Radio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk. MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRack. <laughs> SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., from Washington and Portland to Los Angeles, New York to Indiana, Tennessee to Pennsylvania, these comics will join San Francisco's best underground comedians for five days of comedy at Mutiny Radio. All shows will be live streaming and available after via podcast at www.mutinyradio.fm. But see them live in our intimate 30-seat performance space at 2781 21st Street in the Mission, March 1st through 5th. Tickets available on our website, www.mutinyradio.fm now. Brought to you by our generous festival sponsors, Alta California Botanicals, Destiny's Mom, What a Tomato Produce Company, the law offices of John P. Strauss III, Asiento, FruFruHot.com, Jankytown.org, Brooke Heineken, Pervert Fervor, and Trina Roderick.
now the music takes me back across the yellow day to the summers with my dad and the tunes he Welcome back to Some Call Me Tim here at Mutiny Radio. Uh, I am joined by David Stolowitz of the new show coming up on Tuesdays from 10 to midnight, Occult Oubliette. Hi, everybody. Hey, we're doing a little training in here during Some Call Me Tim. In the background right now, you're listening to Steve Martin, The Crow. He, he plays a mean banjo. Did you know that? <laughs> I was not aware. I actually had the opportunity to see Steve Martin at one of the last Hardly Strictly Bluegrasses I went to, which was years ago, and he played he played his banjo for everyone, and it, it, was, it was pretty amazing. Oh, yeah, cool. he's cool. I really like Steve Martin a lot. Um, so yeah, here we are. Why don't you tell us uh, a little bit about what Occult Oubliette is going to be about? Okay, well, um, I've been to the Occult ever since I was like 18 or 19. Um, it started where I was trying to figure out how not to go to hell because I'm gay. Um, <laughs> so I, I started doing research on the place because I figured I should get to know the staff. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I just, um, you know, I was interested in everything mystical and magical and mysterious. Uh, I was part of Sylvia Brown's uh, Society of Nova Spiritus uh, based in Campbell in the South Bay. Um, wow. She was a, a famous psychic on Montel Williams and stuff. And, um, Good woman, great sense of humor. Uh, she was wrong about a lot of things. Loves that Satan, huh? <laughs> Loves that Satan. <laughs> what? Loves that Satan, huh? No, she no. wasn't into Satan at all. She was totally anti-hell. She she didn't want anybody to even believe in the concept. But she also believed in like dark entities, like her mother. Oh wow! Yeah. <laughs> now this is interesting. You and I'm sure people tell you this all the time. You don't read gay at all. That's newer for me, I guess. Um, my, my joke is uh, I've been a bottom for most of my life, but lately I've been topping out. <laughs> you just, you don't read gay at all. <laughs> like, and I didn't even know until, like, it, it was, we hung out at, like, it was a show way later. And then you brought it up or introduced me to your boyfriend or something. We were in San Jose, Eric Morgan Hill, somewhere weird. And I was like, what? <laughs> And the sad thing is I'm kind of proud of that. Well, no, I mean, it's, it's just, I just think it's interesting because you just, it doesn't, anyone with gaydar, I'd be interested to see what would happen Hmm. if you were, if there were, if if the other gays would have their gaydar on you and if they'd read it or if they'd know, or if if there's, do you feel like you actively like try not to? Or does it matter? Am I being, like, um, sexist right now? No, I, I understand that. I, I wonder myself if I do that. Um, for a while, I was doing it conscientiously. I'm like, I have to be masculine. You know, at first I was trying to prove something to myself, then to God, then to other people, then even to gay people. Because, um, <laughs> like, um, I think part of it is that, uh, you know, I grew up in a family that was mostly accepting. I mean, except for, like, extended family members. You know, my, my parents were okay with it. My mother uh, worked in the AIDS ward during the 80s, oh. actually. Um, so she had some personal experience. And um, yeah, um, so it's like I didn't feel like I had to move out. I didn't have to disown my family. And I didn't 
have to pick up another culture on top of it. You know, I could coexist in both worlds. Not everybody has that option. I was very fortunate and blessed. Right, because you're not not one of those, like, spandex-wearing, glitter-flaunting... Yeah, so so like we were at Cafe Frascati in San Jose. Twinks, at, at, they call them twinks. Is that yeah, what they call them? <laughs> sometimes, but like you know, uh, hey Susie, better work. Oh yeah. Yeah, so I'm on the second story. And he comes up and he's like, "Ooh, this must be what it's like to be on top." <laughs> <laughs> I love hey Susie, better work. Yeah, he's great. But he's um, part of the thing I think is uh, it's a reaction against uh, misogyny. Um, I think uh, a lot of uh, gay guys, their mothers will support them even if their fathers are out of the picture or reject them. So th- there's a reverence for the feminine that's genuine. Um, although alongside with it, you know, there's the tradition of uh, drag shows that goes at least back to like the wars and the Navy when, you know, uh, soldiers would be just so starved for femininity that they would welcome it. Wow. Yeah, and you drag still see Drag shows this. in... Military. That's that's it's interesting. Yeah, like if you ever saw South Pacific, the sure, musical, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, they have yes, an example absolutely. Of it. Yes. Yeah. Where they put on the mop pail hat. They put on the mop hats uh-huh. like they're terrible. Yeah, I have friends in the the army and family too, and they'll come home from that hyper masculine atmosphere, and they'll just go like see the latest Disney movie, like Tangled or something, <laughs> because. You know, they, they've come full circle. They're just like, I have to deal with macho men all the fucking time. I want some more femininity in my life, and I'm right. okay with that. Yay. Yeah. Uh, and you're okay with the occult. You're into uh, pentagrams, and uh, do you do any spells? Are you like kind of like a, I a warlock? I used to, um, back in the day. A wizard or a warlock? What's the uh, well, correct terminology? Well, they're slightly different. I mean, uh, wizard comes from wisdom, so it's just wise people, and... The wisest thing people knew how to do was, uh, you know, communicate with nature to get things done directly or indirectly. Gotcha. Um, warlock is a, a Scottish term. It means an oath breaker. And the idea was that there were people in the highlands that, you know, originally they were serving the light, but then they broke their oaths in order to get into dark powers. So it has a negative connotation. Huh. Yeah. Well, I think that all... Occult has a negative connotation. It can. Occult just means um, hidden. Or oh, okay. Obscure. Yeah, it's a Latin word, I believe. And so here's my question. Mm-hmm. Why have we vilified the goats? Goats. Oh, okay. Uh. I love, now, and I love to eat goat. Since, since I've moved to the city, I eat at this one Pakistani Indian place, and they have goat chops. And I feel like... Why haven't we been eating this for years? It is so, goat is so good. I feel like it's this weird, like, Christian, like, a slur campaign against the... Oh, it goes uh, back to Judaism and, and earlier. Um, is it the square? Is it the rectangular pupils? Is it because it's it's scary? That's part of it. There's a couple of reasons. Um, first of all, I think the goat might not be kosher. That, that's one thing. I'm not uh, sure about that. I have to but double check. The, the, but the uh, Muslims eat the goat. Okay, then it probably is then. Um, the thing is, uh, the, the goat was uh, an infernal symbol. Uh, it was associated with Azazel. Um, he was uh, a fallen angel. Ooh. Well, basically, he was, um, he was part of the old shamanistic angelic culture. It was a precursor civilization in the Middle East, but he screwed up. He got kicked out of heaven, which was their, their city. And he went down to primitive tribes and started giving away all their technology, oh. especially warfare. So um, 
The idea was he caused so much damage, Jews developed this ritual called the scapegoat. Where they would put all their sins onto a goat and then kick the goat off a cliff. So that's the original term, scapegoat. That's amazing. I never knew where scapegoat came from. Yeah, that's it. I mean, I've known that it was like, I know that that's what it is, but I didn't know that it was literally, you put all your sins on the goat and you kick the goat. You don't even eat the goat? See, that's what I have a problem with. Like, you should at least eat the goat. Sacrifice the goat. Well, if you're going to sacrifice the goat, it's one thing, but that's a separate kind of ritual. It's for different things. But also, it's like, goats, um, they, they ha- they're powerful creatures. They have a lot of lust and sexuality. I mean, they're literally horny. Um, you know, and they can jump up and down the mountains and come and go as they please. So, um, you know, they're one of these power animals that's considered, you know, a little closer to the dark side you know like spiders or toads or snakes right yeah or cats why cats uh so here we go birds of prey are generally not kosher for larger animals kosher laws permit the consumption of species that both chew their cud and have split hooves yeah and i'm not sure but i don't yeah, think they chew um, their cud I, I found a spanish grimoire from mexico that goes into uh, La Cabra Infernal and has a lot of lore and goats specifically. Uh, this includes cows, sheep, goats, bison, deer, elk, and even giraffe. Giraffe is kosher, although beef and lamb are generally the most common meat in the kosher marketplace. Now, I heard from the from our main Jew, Adam Rubenfeld, whose dad is a cantor, that uh, you also can't eat animals that are... Um, like that are wild they 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 have they can't not be domesticated how does it work they have to be domesticated so So, like so the idea is they don't like any animals that would cross uh, the boundaries of of species and zones that that was the idea because it's like the jews are trying to set themselves apart so their their spirit is to only consume things that you know consistently stick to uh, one zone. Uh, so they, they don't like creatures that blur the lines between the kingdoms. Mm. And uh, along with that, um, they they don't want to eat anything that that's died naturally or been strangled or even has blood in it. You're supposed to pour the blood out of the animal. Huh. Yeah, because otherwise, I guess you'll become a vampire. And 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 the no the Jews with the no shellfish. I I mean I'm stoked. That's more shellfish for me. I'm fine with <laughs> well, it. Well, the shellfish in the Middle East is pretty toxic. Oh, that's that makes so much sense. Yeah, it, so it was a practical measure. I mean, I went to Acapulco recently. I had some oysters and later got sick. Oh. So it, it makes sense because shellfish can easily grow a lot of microorganisms. And it's not like they had refrigeration back then. Right. Yeah. Uh, why is the goat head a satanic symbol? The actual image of a goat in a downward pointing pentagram first appeared in the 1897 book La Clef de Magie Noire by Stanislas de Guaita. It was this image that was later adopted as the official symbol called the Sigil of Bamofet of the Church of Satan and continues to be used among Satanists. Yeah. Uh, Baphomet was uh, a Templar uh, image. It comes from their rituals. Some people think it's a corruption of Muhammad. Other people think it goes back to Gnostic stuff, but it it predates modern Satanism. Yeah, yeah. but that's Knights the famous Templar. image. So, like, uh, yeah. Pam has it up on the screen right now. If you Wikipedia Baphomet, that's that's from Eliphas Levi, I believe. Yes, um, you're right. Yeah, and it, it, it is funny how it's like an inverted pentagram happens to look like a goat, you know? Exactly. Yeah. Well, I was just wondering, because... So, when I was raised super, super Christian, mm-hmm. there was a lot of, like, beware of the Satanists. And this happened in the 80s. Like, there was this huge sort of smear oh, campaign... Oh, yeah, there was a panic. ...that went that. down. And it was like... 
parents were listening to lyrics backwards and they were like rat and metallica are all it's terrible and it's and yeah, the, the, they were projecting yeah well it was i remember going to sermons on fridays where they would pull apart lyrics and they would talk about how the devil is inside <laughs> now this is the weirdest one you'll love this uh center field by uh the Jay Giles band put her in, put me in coach I'm ready to play okay they did an entire sermon on how that's euphemistic of wanting to have sex and that we shouldn't listen to this song because it's all metaphorically about the, put me in coach put me in her vagina yeah, so I'm ready to play repress, when you repress sex you start seeing it everywhere I'm ready to play with your titties <laughs> right I'm ready to play today yeah. put me in coach and I was like this is a song about baseball this is clearly a song about and baseball is one of the things that people use to think about so that they don't come like it's completely like negates the whole so when you know when they when in one breath they're telling me the jail jay giles band is satanic and then in the other they're saying the goats and they're going to be sacrificing cats in danville it's like i don't know i don't believe it there really was a thing though in the 80s like we were we were literally we were told that to always keep our cats indoors and that there was a rash of satanists in in danville that so were many stealing Christians cats. Are more afraid of satan than god you know it's sad right <laughs> And Satan's not such a... I mean, well, I don't know. Yeah, well, you have to accept it. That's the thing. I mean, if you really have faith, you have to accept, you know, the existence of evil, the option to do it as part of God's cosmos. I mean, you don't endorse it, but you understand it. And I think a lot of people just never came to peace with that. And repressing sex does not help in the slightest. Right. Uh, I looked up pure evil and... uh... I, there's a cool artist that does these works where it's like ladies with dripping eyes, uh, the queen and and Audrey Hepburn, and it looks all <laughs> trippy. They're pure evil. Uh, so, what's your favorite like occultish? Like, do, you, do you like candles? Are you into crystals? I used to be into a lot of those. I've simplified things a bunch, um, but yeah, I tried it all. Um, I was into hoodoo candle burning for a while. I used to work at a, a hoodoo candle shop in Forestville up in the North Bay. Uh, when you say hoodoo, is that like the, the, the um, Mexican candles with the people on them? And you uh, this it? actually comes from African-American traditions. Oh. Yeah. Um, so I think uh, hoodoo was a survival of a lot of African practices, but it was merged with elements of Judaism, Christianity, and Native American Wow. So it was kind of a, a southern gumbo, you could say. Sure. <laughs> of, of, uh, of, and what did you burn the candles in it? it what? It helps you find. Well, the, you could do it for all it? kinds of uh, purposes. I mean, to kill your enemies. To yeah, smite I mean, I mean, down the, 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 the root workers had they had it down to a system because they they'd see the same requests over and over again. So, like in our shop, we actually had color coded. Oh. So, um, like you would burn uh, brown candles to help with uh, court cases. Huh. Um, purple for uh, strength and empowerment. Um, green for money. And then, like, black for revenge or cursing. Oh. Have you ever cursed anybody? Yes, I have. Did it work? Yeah, but it also comes back to you. I mean, it, it's bad karma. See, the, the illusion is that we're all separate beings, and we can act uh, independently without it coming back to us, and it's not true. Because I think a lot of times what we curse is the, the parts of ourselves that we can't accept. Sure. Yeah. Wow. 
That's uh, that's that's pretty. Uh, oh, it's okay. What what is your ringtone? It sounds like a Mentos commercial. No, it's uh, Renegades by uh, Ex Ambassadors. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I really like. We're again behind us. We're listening to Steve Martin's The Crow, and it is the weirdest juxtaposition. <laughs> the occult oubliette. Actually, talk. crows are a pretty powerful occult symbol. Awesome. Yeah. Uh, that's. I was in a one time. I was in a medicine wheel with a shaman, and I had a vision with uh, crows, ravens, crows, and yeah, and three ravens, and and it was funny because it was like they started like being like the um, Ravenswood Winery, you know, Zinfandel or whatever. <laughs> that it became like a marketing thing. I was like, what is this medicine wheel? What are you trying to market to me? Okay. Uh, but it, it, delicious wines, uh, crows. But it was weird. It was like. I used to be involved with these theater people that were super witchy. They had their own, they were in, they were a coven and the artistic director of the place was like the head witch and they had meetings and they burned things. It lends itself to drama. Yeah, it was. (laughs) But we we did this play where she decided, we were like, she was like, oh, I'm really into writing plays during the rehearsal process. So we did all of this like weird, like witchy stuff and... (laughs) occult stuff and then the medicine wheel with the shamans and then we like wrote this play as a group and it was weird <laughs> it was weird at one point I had to I was a, the stage manager but I ended up having to do a lot of the props they had a scene where they were taking homemade baby dolls which I had to make I had to sew all of these little babies by hand and they were putting them up on a clothesline and she was like drawing in like she was singing some like down by the river to pray kind of like song oh, like voodoo yeah and then but they had all these little baby dolls that she was t- it was it was a weird weird play it was i was like witches um but it was fun i mean it was a really it was the witchcraft thing aside that actually brought in a lot of the creativity that helped drive the creation but isn't the occult is like a creation derived like it's about making things right um yeah i mean there's different reasons i think most people get into it because they're power hungry oh. and uh that's power isn't necessarily a bad thing in itself but you have to learn about the nature of power so a lot of the people that stick with it you know they realize it's it comes down to wisdom you see this uh reiterated in a lot of the grimoires the books on magic so um, I know about those because of the book, the movie with the girls, and then they have the grimoire and they go to the one oh, store. Oh, the craft! Yeah, the craft. Yeah, that was a good That's one. A good, yeah, it was decent. It's a, is that a good representation? Um, it's a sampling, yeah. But I felt like they did a pretty good job. I mean, I'm sure there's some purists who would argue over it, but for a, a, a pop movie in the '90s, it was decent. Yeah, yeah. it's good. I like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right, we are. Uh, Closing down to it. Let's switch back to pervert fervor. So uh, there you go. Just bring that up. Then you'll hear it, and we'll bring out the. There you go. And we'll bring out that crazy, crazy Steve Martin Crow music. Uh, we've got pervert fervor here playing in the background. He, that's uh, Timothy Pizza, making the beepity boops, the ones and twos. He's also one of the uh, sponsors for the Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival 2017, coming up March 1st through 5th. You can buy your tickets right now on mutinyradio.fm and our tickets are being done through universe.com. We're six weeks away. I am freaking out and uh, but everything's going to be okay. You guys are all going to promise you're going to listen to Occult Oubliette starting next Tuesday at 10 o'clock with David and uh, it's, it's been a pleasure 
speaking with you today. So we're going to switch it back out. Same thing. You're going to double click on that breaker again and then just switch three and four. And, and that's the biz. Thank you guys for listening to mutinyradio.fm and for listening to Some Call Me Tim. Today's special guest, Heidi Mueller, taught me a lot about sexuality and repression. And it's funny that David brought it up again, too. Uh, hey, go out there and be, be friendly and uh, and try to make something. Maybe go see a comedy show and tell a comedian you like him. And as soon as you bring up three and it'll play. And we'll see you guys next week. Some call me Tim. Depression, nausea, and can induce euphoria and stimulate appetite. I'm going to guess waffles. Yo, that is incorrect. <laughs> Actually, Alex, the food I'm talking about are cannabis-based medicinal extracts. Cannabis-based medicinal extracts? That sounds like you're smoking drugs, Ed. No, baby. There are smokeless, safe, and less expensive alternative to smoking. But can I use it to sleep? Yes, baby. Good. Because I'm so excited by this that I may never sleep again. And it sounds like you, Alex, may want to check out the number 4altacalifornia.com. That's 4altacalifornia.com for a non-addictive pharmaceutical free alternative to smoking medical marijuana. Check them out today at number 4altacalifornia.com. This is Tuchel Matos with Mutiny Radio. Big up to the number one station, the ruling nation. Give it to me every time. Ah! Good evening there, my friends here at MutinyRadio.fm. Chester Cashcock here, and giving you my love and regard as well as movies over there. And uh, I just wanted to let you guys know that any time I go swimming in my vault of rare coins and piles and piles of filthy cash, I can't help but listen to Pamtastic's Comedy Clubhouse every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. I mean, if anyone who knows anything about comedy knows that Pamtastic's books the best of San Francisco and Beyond's underground comics. It's a great showcase, and they have a fun time at Pamtastic's deep in the Mission District where you can laugh off your tushy for a mere five dollars every Friday to 10 p.m. And I laugh because five dollars, I mean, that's what I use to wipe my tushy with. So to laugh it off for a mere five dollars is indubitious. But if you can't make it to Mutiny Radio, well, don't even worry. Don't fret at all. You can simply download the podcast post-show and giggle in the comfort of anywhere, like your Aspen summer home on the mountain ridge with the kayak feeling. So all you got to do is just go to podcastics.pcrcollective.org slash comedy clubhouse, or you can listen live every Friday from 8 to 10 p.m. as your host Pam Benjamin brings you the best comedy from San Francisco and beyond the universe. And what's better than the universe? <laughs> it's a cash cock, honey. <laughs> Do you need an awesome and underground space for an event? Look no further than MutinyRadio.fm. Our 30-seat flexible space can accommodate your acoustic band, birthday party, comedy show, dance party, karaoke super fun, theater event, fundraiser. If you think it, we can do it. You run the door in promotion, we run the sound, space, and podcast. 
Rentals available Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10 at Mutiny Radio FM's Performance Space at 2781 21st Street in the Deep Mission at 21st in Florida. Contact Pam at pamsidai at hotmail.com for more options and booking dates. Incredible socialist prices so you can be creative in a free speech space without breaking the bank. That's Mutiny Radio Rentals every Thursday, Saturday, and Sunday from 8 to 10. Book your event now. Are you tired of swimming through a sea of podcasts? Are ye on a raft without a patter? Well, gather around me, sea dogs, and get aboard me pirate ship as we set sail for the seas of MutinyRadio.fm. From there, you can captain your own pirate ship as you sail through over 44 different shows for all of your listening pleasures. They've got live comedy to small business advice, LGBTQ-friendly to sports, vinyl to gutter punk, MutinyRadio.fm has the best programming the Internet Ocean has to offer you. I bet my peg leg on it, or I ain't scurvy shit-faced McRat. <laughs> Subliminal SF brings you visual and auditory mind control. For the best graphic design, physical merchandise, and live music promotion, go to www.subliminalsf.com and check out their hilarious t-shirts and super cool bands at clubs and bars all over the Bay Area. Subliminal SF creates amazing flyers, posters, and design for every need. So go now to www.subliminalsf.com and experience what this wonderful local business has to offer. The second annual Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival is coming March 1st through 5th, 2017 to San Francisco, featuring 25 shows in five days and 50 comedians from across the entire U.S., from Washington and Portland to Los Angeles.